Today is the edge, week five, diving into one of the most controversial areas of the gifts of the Spirit. It's going to be so fun. I hope you're pumped. I hope you're more excited. Uh, somebody said something about the first service. My jokes just didn't go over as good in the first service as they do the second. So help me, you know, just give me the courtesy laugh if you have to, okay, just to make me feel good about the edge. So if you've been in this series um, and you're like, hey, I want more. I want to know more about this. Couple groups. One of them is the God I never knew. Uh, Dan and Glenda Carter up here. Raise your hand. Yeah, Dan and Glenda Carter. They, they are. It's a, a, a book by Robert Morris. Great book. Great study. Uh, it's available. Uh, uh, just diving into the Holy Spirit, and then also uh, drawing near. It's a ladies' group. Yeah, John Bevere back here. Holly. Uh, I think Patricia was in the first service, but uh, ladies group that's going to be diving into, into the drawing near intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Just great stuff, great stuff. And encourage you, if you've been, if you've been here and you're like, I really want to, I want to really want to go deeper with this. This is, this is uh, so, so, such a great place to do it. I'm excited our worship today. Wasn't it great? Did you enjoy it? I, I look around and so John over here, John's been, week two, he's been back. And uh, I remember John, uh, talking to him in Panera, and he came to church and kind of had placed God somewhere on the back burner or out of sight, um, somewhat atheistic in, in views. And then I look over at him today because he gave his life to Jesus and baptized. And he's got his hands in there. Isn't that cool? We love you, John, and we're praying for you. When you pray, remember John, John lost his wife just a few months ago, and so keep him in your prayers as he journeys through this, this season. Today we're talking about the vocal gifts. We started last week, couldn't get to all of it uh, last Sunday, so we're diving back in to the, uh, where we left off. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse, we'll read verses 10 and 11. I encourage you um, this week, next week, jump in and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's a cluster of chapters that go together. I would encourage you to do that. Paul's addressing problems with that church and what they're dealing with. And, and it's just sound biblical uh, help for us today. And we'll pick it up in verse 10. He says, and to another working, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, these are gifts that the Holy Spirit's given, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That Holy Spirit is giving these gifts to the church. And, and we've looked at, we looked at the knowing or revelatory gifts, and we've looked at the power, power gifts that are listed here. And uh, they're all beautiful and needed. God doesn't want his body. He doesn't want his church lacking. How many know that? So he supplied more than enough. He supplied more than enough to give us the edge when going about ministry. We don't have to be wringing our hands. What are we going to do? He supplied it. And then he's also supplied vocal gifts. And last Sunday, we, we spent some time on the gift of prophecy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14.39 says, desire earnestly to prophesy. That, that, and this is for all of us this morning, that we desire uh, and, and, and King James says, covet, one area what tells you to covet something, desire earnestly to prophesy, to speak by supernatural unction of the Holy Spirit. 
and we've, we've said this, you hear me say this quite often, that, that it's manifestation without weirdness. We don't have to get all weird and glassy-eyed to share something God's given us. That, that many times when I'm preaching, I'll, it'll be a prophetic word, and I don't stop the, the train and say, let's get off for a minute. Here we are, right? God just, just gives, brings that and gives it, and, and there it is. And so desire earnestly to prophesy uh, I remember I was sharing a story last weekend, and, and uh, Pastor Chet was with me on the, when we went to International House of Prayer with a group of pastors, and they took us into these prophecy rooms, and Chet was with another couple pastors, and, and he said he, when he went in there, you're going to laugh a little bit, the young guy that was in there kind of leaned up and said, okay, to all these three pastors, today we're going to expose all your sins and lay them open on the, on the table. <laughs> yeah, and then he said, that's just a prophecy joke. We're not really going to do that. I'm telling you, there's not a lot of prophecy jokes, so you've got to use the ones you got, right? So, so here's some things that you need to understand and know about prophecy, um, that we never should ever prophesy out of emotion just because we feel something. Your feelings can mislead you. Do you know that? There's some people this morning that were going to come to church and gather to worship, and they kind of didn't feel like it, so they didn't come, right? Their feelings misled them. So feelings can mislead you. So don't, you don't prophesy out of, you know, and sometimes I hear Christian people say, well, I kind of feel. I'm like, well, step back. Is that a feeling or is that God? Is that the spirit or is that God? Is, it, is that coming out of your soul or is that out of the spirit, right? And so, so that we don't prophesy out of, because weird stuff happens, and by the way, uh, there's a lot of things attributed to God that God didn't say. That's called taking God's name in vain when you do that. When you say God said something, he didn't say it, you're taking his name in vain. And so, and so out of feelings, out of emotion, out of what we know, like we know about a situation, so then we try to speak, speak into it. And so what the Bible says is, because there is that opportunity for that, it says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29, judge prophecy. One area that says in the Bible to judge, judge prophecy. Somebody speaks to you a word and says, God told me. Okay, you run it through the filter. Does it agree with this? If not, it's not from God. Is it congruent with the heart of the Father? Right? Because is, is, you could even take a verse of Scripture and throw it on somebody. God told me, and then boom, 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 and not do it in, with the heart of the Father. And so does it agree with his heart? When you receive a word, does it bear witness with what God is already doing? Is it out in left field somewhere and all of a sudden, boom, it hits you like a baseball bat and you're like, wait a minute, right? It should bear witness with what God is doing in your life. It should draw you a word that's a prophetic word, a true prophetic word, should draw you closer to God, not push you away. Should draw you closer to God's people, not push you away from God's people. Prophetic word should agree with the leadership of, of the church. So if, if I'm up here preaching something and then somebody comes to you afterwards and says, God told me something entirely different, wait a minute, run that through the filter of what leadership is saying. If somebody comes to you and tells you something, something kooky like, well, you need, you know, you need to leave your wife or something, bring that, bring, bring that to me because I want to know who that is so we can bring correction to them, right? Because we believe in, in prophecy. We believe that it's for today. We believe that God gives messages today. But we also want to pastor and steward that. And so if somebody comes to you, go to, church, go to, go to one of the pastors, go to one of the leaders here and say, hey, somebody told me this and, and now I'm all troubled. Well, let's, let's back up and find out what is it that's being 
we're, you know, let's judge that and, and move forward. And so uh, maybe you're here in this series and maybe you're here for the first time today and you're like, hey, prophecy, I don't know, is that a gift that God's put in my life or a gift that God wants to use me in or maybe one of the other gifts I've mentioned and you just aren't sure, we, we start steps next Sunday. It's after this service, one hour. It's, it's a way to connect to Elevation Church but it's also a way to discover the spiritual gifts in your life. It takes one hour. We feed you lunch. We take care of your children. And it's just the gifts assessment, the gifts discovery is just helpful to a lot of people. So I encourage you, register, go to the church app. Uh, they may say something later about how to do that um, so that you can be getting steps. And so I thought about a title of today, and I threw it to one person. They kind of laughed and said, no. I said, we should just call it Tongue Talking Sunday. That's a tongues joke. So now you've got a prophecy joke and a tongues joke all in one service. That may never happen again in your lifetime. So after prophecy, the next spiritual gift that's listed is different kinds of tongues. I believe this is the most controversial spiritual gift in the list of the nine spiritual gifts, that, and I believe there's more than nine, but in the list that Paul presents here, most controversial. And what people do is they try to ignore it, they try to run away from it, they had a bad experience one time, this happened or that happened, or wow, pastor, you said manifestation of weirdness, and that sounds weird, and so we just kind of push away, and I want to kind of just dive into it for a little bit today. Now, I can't cover everything that you can read that's why I said read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 because uh, it's, it's, it's important for you to get a proper understanding. But I think it's an exciting topic. I think it's an exciting topic. Um, the Apostle Paul, he wrote 1 Corinthians. And uh, when you look at Paul, um, really there is no one else in Christianity that gets the place he gets. Now, Jesus is, Jesus is the founder of our faith, right? If we want, if we want to put a founder, we'd say Jesus. Uh, second to him, notable in Christianity, most notable person in Christianity. And there's a lot of them throughout history. I think Paul ranks number two. You could argue Peter, maybe make a case for it, maybe try to say John, or maybe one of the other guys in there. But I think Paul is simply because... Paul writes more, for this reason, there's a big one, he writes more of the New Testament than any other writer. In fact, if we had the most critical lens to look at what Paul writes and said, well, in fact, the most liberal Bible scholars would say that at least 61 of chapters of the New Testament was written by Paul. I would even say you could go high and say up to 94, the 260 chapters in the New Testament, 89 of those being the four Gospels, that, that of up to 94 could be attributed to the Apostle Paul. That's a pretty big deal. Luke, Luke writes, the, he's, he's second in the, the amount of chapters that he is written in the New Testament. Uh, Luke writes the Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters, and he writes Acts, 28 chapters. So 52, again, if we went the, the least on Paul, 61. And, and here's what Luke writes. Luke writes the gospel about Jesus and his ministry and life. And then the first chapter of Acts, Jesus trying to prepare for after Jesus, 
Acts 2. And then the majority of the book of Acts is about the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. We know more, outside of Jesus, New Testament characters, we know more about Paul than we do any other of the characters that are in there simply because of what's recorded about him and what he writes to these churches that he is in an apostolic role over. Incredible. Paul is a former, the shaper of Christian theology, right? Jesus came and, and preached the Sermon on the Mount. Paul comes and tells you, how do you live that out in your life? Right? He, he lays down the, the, um, the vehicle to get there. Paul, incredible, incredible individual. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He said, I thank God that I speak, this is an amplified version, in an unknown tongues, in unknown tongues, more than all of you. He's speaking to a church that's really got mixed up on spiritual gifts, and it seems like they've just have went to an excess and abuse with tongues. And he says, I know you all think you speak in tongues a lot. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. This is the guy that's number two, if you will, notable, notable individual in Christianity, and he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. It's not a strange thing, Paul says. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 39, the, the latter part, I, I just quoted the, the first part. He says, and do not forbid, never forbid to speak with tongues. Now, I want to tell you that there's a whole lot of forbidding that goes on in the church world today. Paul says, don't forbid. And we've said earlier in this series, if, if the Bible is for us today, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 17, 16, 17 says, says this, that, that the word of God is for training in all righteousness, right? That, that means not a part of it, not the part we like, not the part that we grew up with, not the thing that we thought we thought that we thought we knew, but all of it. Then I have to look at what Paul says and, and say, this is, this is important. It's important, and many times in the church world, we push it off. We ignore it. We don't talk about it. E even churches that embrace the Spirit of God working today sometimes don't address it. They kind of dance around it. And so I'm excited today that we get to talk about it. I remember in, um, when I, in my Greek class when I was learning um, biblical Greek, Koine Greek, the professor as he was teaching, he said, now, just understand this. If 1 Corinthians isn't here, then we can pretty much read the Bible and not have to re read the New Testament and not even have to deal with tongues because we can relegate it to first century church, that it's in the book of Acts a few times and just kind of leave it alone, and there it sits. Professor Albrecht said this, but because 1 Corinthians is there, we have to deal with it. And here's this American Baptist college professor saying, seminary professor saying, hey, we can't just push it off. We've got to talk about it, and we've got to understand that, that these gifts are for today, today. And I think it's important, we talked about this through this series, that there's natural abilities, and then here the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural abilities. So naturally, on this planet, 
There are people that speak all kinds of languages. What the people that study this, the linguists say that there's at least they know of 7,102 languages on the earth. That's a lot. So when you think about different kinds of tongues, you could say, wow. So if somebody, um, there, there could be up to, right, there's, there's nine spiritual gifts we're, we're, we're looking at. Well, there could be up to uh, 7,110 spiritual gifts if people had the spiritual gift to speak in any of those languages. Are you with me? Right? There's a, so, so the different kinds of tongues is not a learned language. It's not something that you grew up speaking. Um, quite the opposite. It's a supernatural ability to speak in a language that you don't know. And the key is understanding plurality here, different kinds of tongues, not just different kinds of languages, but I, I believe, because as we read in the early part of this chapter, there's different operations, there's different administrations, there's diversities of gifts. So how does this work for you and I? And so I want to give you a word, first of all, the word public, and you might write this down, the word public, because I want to deal with, with this, this one first. Because it seemingly it's the first one we're introduced to in the book of Acts. Uh, and Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians 14, 22. He said, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now, this kind of sounds backwards to the way I would write it. If I'm thinking about tongues is only singular, if I only see one kind of expression of this gift, then I would say, well, this is kind of odd. I think it would be the other way. Tongues are a sign for the unbeliever? In fact, in a moment, I'm going to read the next verse, and it almost sounds contradictory if we don't understand what I'm going to tell you right now. And that is that there, there are multiplicity of ways that tongues are used. Acts chapter 2, we see this, this used in a public way. Acts chapter 2 says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Again, not words they learned, not words that they had practiced, not, as the Spirit gave utterance. And then they're outside, and they're speaking in these 120 people, all of them. Somebody shout all. All means all, not a part, not some, not just a few, not two. All of them are speaking in unknown languages, and the people there that are gathered, at least 15 different uh, languages that needed to hear in, in, their, in their language could have been up to 30 or more uh, because of the different people and the different groups they're from and the dialects. They all hear them speak in their language. And they hear them speak the marvelous, the marvelous works of God. And they believe unbelievers now believing. In fact, on that day, 3,000 people will be baptized because tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. Are you with me this morning? Yeah, we, we want to hide it and oh, put it over here. No, supernatural gift of different kinds of tongues are for the unbeliever when it's in a language that they know. Right, so, so if, if there were some German folks here, well, there are, but if there were some German folks here that didn't speak English, and one of you came up and didn't le learn the German language but gave a message in, in German, wow, it'd be a game changer, wouldn't it, for them if they were an unbeliever? 
I remember years, years and years ago, long time, before some of you were born, about 1991, I was invited to go to the Holy Land with a trip of Christian leaders and pastors, and then I wasn't able to make it, and then I heard what happened. You know how it is? Anybody have FOMO, fear of missing out? Yeah, and I kind of had that, and then I heard all the stories and stuff, and, and one, of the, one of the individuals on the, on the group was old enough to be my dad, uh, a great friend, Clifton Gallagher. He's since then passed away, but incredible, and a, and a, a boisterous voice, and magnetic personality. You just were attracted to, to, to Clift, uh, Pastor Clifton Gallagher. You just, you just wanted, from Southern Illinois, just, you know, came in, how are you doing? This big voice, you know, and he's on the plane going with him, and one of the pastors was, was just really sick and ill, and so they all gathered around on the plane. It's a charter jet, and they all gathered around praying for him to get better because uh, they believed in healing, praying, and then they made it back to their seat, and... One of the flight attendants, a lady, came to him and, and asked, spoke to him in a language he didn't know. And so he said, pardon me, and she said it again. He said, I, I don't know. She said, I heard, she was from Tunisia. I think it was Arabic. I can't remember the language exactly. And there's eyewitnesses that were on the plane when this happened. She said, I heard you speak up there in my language. And... You mentioned my brother who's home, who's sick, and the doctors don't have any solution for him. And you said that, because she was Muslim, she knew about Jesus. You said that Jesus is the answer. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, isn't it? True story. And she gave her life to Jesus there on the airplane. So tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. Don't hide it. Don't push it aside. Don't try to remove it and say it's not for today. We need that gift in the church, by the way. So tongues as speaking in languages that are earthly. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, that though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He says this, though I speak with the tongues of men, well, we talked about that, and of angels. And somebody could say, well, I think it's just a cliche. Well, I don't think so. Revelation 2.17, Jesus says when you overcome, you're, gonna, you're in heaven. He's going to give you a stone, white stone, and it's going to be carved your name, a name that nobody else knows, that nobody else knows how to pronounce, that it's never entered. It's in a language that we don't know. How many know that heaven has a language? Right? Because if not, are we going to speak King James English there? I know Pablo wants to think we're going to speak Spanish there, but I'm playing. He doesn't think that. Heaven has a language. Angels speak in languages that we, we, don't, we don't know naturally. We don't learn. There's not a class you can go to. Like Mark is doing English as a second language. It's almost filled up. Uh, for many people outside here, isn't that cool, the, the group she's doing? And she can teach them Spanish, but she can't teach them God or what the language of heaven is. Because um, that comes supernaturally. Now, I'm going to talk in just a moment about the, the final gift of spirit that we see listed here is the gift of in, uh, uh, interpretation of tongues. When a message is in a heavenly language, then you need an interpreter to interpret what that message is because we don't know the heavenly language. Are you with me? I've seen it in church before, and maybe, maybe your experience is not. It's a beautiful thing when it works, when the hand of God is at work and someone gives a message and a heavenly language, and another person interprets what that says. I remember 
Billy Graham, many years ago, was at the Assemblies of God uh, um, College, uh, Central Bible College, and he was there to speak to the students. They had a big assembly of all this, because Billy Graham's coming. I mean, know everybody would be excited to be there. And he was there, and he was speaking. But before he came to speak, there was a message in tongues and interpretation. And when Billy Graham took the pulpit to speak, he said, I just want you to know that that right there is of God. He said, because what they said is exactly what I'm preaching today, and they had no knowledge of it. So, so a public expression in a heavenly language needs interpretation. And 1 Corinthians 14 gives uh, great detail. Because when it comes to vocal gifts, when it comes to any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's freedom and liberty, not deregulation. And that's what Paul's saying to the Corinthian church. Don't run off the tracks and get all squirrely and make a carnival out of this. Right? There's order. God's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of chaos. Right? He wants things done in order. And so he speaks to that. Second area I want to talk to you about tongues, different kinds of tongues, is concerning prayer and intercession. Prayer and intercession. In 1 Corinthians 14, 23, Paul goes on to say, next verse after I read the other one, and it could sound contradictory if you didn't understand the public expression of tongues and prayer and intercession. He said, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak publicly in tongues, right, heavenly languages out loud, speaking in foreign language, earthly languages out loud, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Right? There has to be some order to this. There has to be some order that, that the gift that God has given you to pray in a language you didn't learn. 1 Corinthians 12, 30 says, do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Well, if you're there on Acts 2, if you're there in the early church, the answer would be yes, all spoke in tongues. And people say, Pastor, now, do you think that you have to speak in tongues to be saved? I say, no. And then I will add, and you put this in your notes so you make sure you know it, that's garbage. Make sure you understand that. Anybody telling you that lie, let me just correct it right now, that's garbage that somebody would tell you that. It's you, you, you can't do something to produce salvation in your life. It's all about him. Right? He's already paid it, provided it. So don't let somebody mess you up. because And then somebody told you that, and now you've always been anti, well, that gift, I'm going to stay away. No, don't go there because they were wrong. The word of God's right. They take one verse, they twist it, try to, try to create some belief system out of it, and it's, it's not, not right. And then others would say, hey, well, what about the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the baptism, the infilling of my life? Do I have to speak in tongues for that? Or if somebody doesn't speak in tongues, can they be filled? And what I would say is that the Holy Spirit filling your life, I'd never look at somebody and say you're not filled. I would say this, that every person that's filled with the Holy Spirit has the possibility to speak in tongues. It's available to you, just like all the other gifts are available. Desire, somebody shout desire. Desire spiritual gifts, right? Desire prophecy. Desire, look at spiritual gifts and say, God, I want to be in a place. I shared that song last week if you were here, right? I want to be in a place where God can use me anytime, anywhere. So, so be in a place so that if God wants to use you in that, that you're available, and, and by the way, when it comes to, uh, and, and as I said that, manifestation without weirdness, the early church would have not looked at that as weird. When they were at Cornelius' house and they heard them speak in tongues, they said, we know 
we know now that the gospel has come to the Gentiles, right? So, so it, wasn't, it wasn't a weird thing. We've pushed it aside so much that now if you mention it, it seems like, well, that's strange. That's strange. I've been in situations where people have prayed for me and they've interceded and they've interceded, interceded in what some would call prayer language and in, in, in tongues. And I can tell you this, spiritual things happen in my life because of them doing that. I've been in situations where I didn't know how to pray. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we should or as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, languages we don't know how to speak. Now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes I don't know how to pray the will of God, right, when a crisis happens, when a moment in your life where you don't know how to navigate this, you don't even know how to pray. Anybody ever been there? Any ever felt hopeless because you didn't know how to pray in a situation? And the Holy Spirit comes and you begin to pray according to the will of God in your life, which you couldn't get to in your own natural ability. Paul says, well, what do I do then? Well, he says, I'm going I'm to pray with my understanding out of my mind, and I'm also going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to sing out of my natural ability, and I'm going to sing in the Spirit. Somebody may say, well, you know, I'm Elevation Church, and I'm standing next to somebody, and I've, I've had people do this to me. They say, I think they were speaking in tongues. I remember one time they said, they said, it was that guy right there. I said, no, that was Hebrew. He was saying Yeshua Mashiach, right? Some of you know that guy. Then they'll say, well, this other person, I said, yeah, they were speaking in tongues. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I said, you know what you should do? You should be worshiping more. <laughs> You're listening too much and not worshiping enough for yourself. I also would say this. They are worshiping in a heavenly language, and it's pretty cool that it can happen. And by the way, that's not public expression. That's just them worshiping God. Just like if you're, if you're around me, you may hear me worshiping, saying, God, you're worthy. I may be, you know, God, I love you. That's my, that's my time to be worshiping. You're listening in on it, and that's okay. I don't care. But I'm just saying, um, understand that that shouldn't be foreign to us. And maybe for you, this is the first time you've ever heard this address. Or you're thinking, wow, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm saying dig into the word of God. Let's have a biblical approach to this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when I'm inadequate and I don't know how to pray, he's praying through us, right? He has the ability to pray through us. i got to find my place. Interpretation of tongues, the last one. And, and by the way, we could talk and talk on, on this one, and I probably, for some of you, your appetite is wet now, and so I encourage you, read those chapters, because there's a whole lot about how uh, Paul just brings some order and correction to that church that had become out of order, and it's very helpful. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, from where I come from, sometimes they just ignore those scriptures, right? Because the Holy Spirit, he, he works in a, in a fluid manner. Are you with me? He's fluid. And so uh, sometimes it's easy to get careless with what God is doing. And so it's understanding, okay, there's some order, right? It's not like 15 people prophesying in a service, two and at most three. gives us some order. Interpretation of tongues, last one. Anybody got questions now? <laughs> it's good. That's what I'm trying to do. It's just what it is, right? 
There's a language. We understand. I preach with interpreters in, in Haiti and in, uh, in Creole, and I preach with them in Spanish um, multiple times. Um, it, interpretation, here's what happens. I preach, and then they say something. Because I don't really know either one of those languages very well. I don't know what they're saying, and the time isn't always the same because it's not translation. It's not word for word saying exactly because languages don't match up like that. And when it comes to a heavenly language, it's not translation because we don't know that language. It's interpretation. I remember years ago I heard some guys that they didn't believe the gifts of the Spirit were for today, and they went to some, some place where they were having some charismatic type of service, and they went there, and back when they had the recorders, the tape record, cassette tape recorders, anybody remember those? Yeah. You have to Google it if you don't, and so and they had portable ones, and they recorded messages in tongues, and then the people giving the interpretation, and then I remember them saying, hey, it didn't match up. It was this many minutes for the message, and then it was only this many minutes for the, and I said, well, it's interpretation. Link doesn't, it's not the same, it's not word for word. It's not, they said five words in that language, now you say five words in this language, it's interpretation, right? It's interpretation. This is recorded history, this last story I'll tell you, and then the team, you can come. Um, there was a guy named Tommy Hicks, credible evangelist in the 50s. If you ever read about what God's done in Argentina, it will blow your mind what God has done in Argentina. And he was the first, um, I would say he was, he, was the, he was the first one to step in and then revival came. He went to Argentina to preach and um, had trouble figuring out where and all those things, wouldn't have a crusade. This is in 1953. And the president, they said the president wants to see you, the president of the nation. And so, they put him in this place, had a couple guards, took him to meet President Perón, and President Perón had not, he quit having his photograph taken because he had this skin condition that the doctors couldn't do anything about. And so in his private meeting with Tommy Hicks, he said to Tommy Hicks, can Jesus heal me? And Tommy Hicks said, yes, he can heal you. And so he took his hand, he began to pray for him. As he prayed... And you can believe this or not. This is eyewitness stuff. As he prayed for him, the skin condition that he had, the, the corrupted skin, the, all the, the part that, was, that, that, that he felt looked ugly, all of that cleared up in a matter of seconds and minutes till, he was, till his skin was back to normal. Because of that, President Perone said to Tommy Hicks, because how I many know the president is the gatekeeper of the nation? He opened up coliseums for him, stadiums for him to go and hold crusades. And when he preached and had services there in Argentina, tens of thousands of people came to Jesus. By the way, spiritual gifts are not so you can get some glory out of them, it's so God can get glory out of them. The Holy Spirit wants to point people to Jesus, not to you. In America, sometimes we mess that up and we made it about a person and not about Jesus. And so tens of thousands of people came to Jesus, experienced healing, were baptized in the Holy Spirit, revival broke out. In fact, it was in the 90s that another surge, a wave of the Holy Spirit hit Argentina. I've been able to be around some of the people that are part of that uh, uh, 
one of Pastor Claudio said this, that they have 10 services on the weekend. This is right now. 10 services on the weekend. Started in the 90s. They can't build the building big enough to house all the people that come. They stand in line between services waiting to get in so they can come and hear the gospel and, and experience what the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm just saying, we talk about revival, and we believe, we're a church that is pursuing revival. Anybody with me? We're pursuing what God wants. When we talk about it, we're not talking about, well, we hope somebody comes and has a goosebump or something. We're talking about God turning our city around. Anybody with me? Well, it was 1955 that the Soviet Union, not just Russia like we know it today, but the Soviet Union, Iron Curtain Soviet Union, Tommy Hicks got the opportunity to go in there and preach. It's a rare thing to be able to do meetings with thousands of people to come and hear you. And he was praying. He was in all the, all the little um, satellite areas of, of the Soviet Union, but he wanted to get into Russia, and he got the opportunity to go in Rostov, Russia and preach. And he's in front of all these people. He said two times. This is recorded. You can, go, you can Google it. You may have to dig a little bit, but you, you can find it. Two times he had interpreters that were not Christians because they had to use what they had. He didn't speak Russian. And it was in Rostov that he had an interpreter. And the interpreter, as he was preaching and she was interpreting, she got upset with him, said, I don't agree with what you're saying. She cursed him out, spit in his face, and walked off the, the stage. And here he is in front of all these people, and he doesn't know how to speak Russian. And for no less than five minutes, he looked at the people People around him heard this, and he preached in words he didn't understand that he'd never learned. And when he gave the response, over half of the people there raised their hand and came forward and kneeled and received Christ. I'm just telling you, we need that today. Far as I know, Tommy Hicks never ever preached in Russian again. Far as I know, he never spoke in Russian again. I'm just saying that the gift of prophecy, the gift of different kinds of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues is available for you today through the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that he gives to the church.